Uh, we're going to turn our attention to uh, the Word of God. We are in Luke 13 uh, this morning. And uh, as uh, you may have heard, uh, interesting turn of events this morning, Tim Dirksen uh, was planning to preach this morning. Uh, he got most of the way through, actually, the first sermon this morning, uh, and he's not feeling well. Uh, so uh, he has passed on the torch to me. So uh, thankfully, uh, he is someone who manuscripts his sermons, which means that he writes out uh, all the words. Some people just sort of outline their sermon, and then I wouldn't know what he would want us to hear this morning. Uh, but I have his manuscripts. You're getting a secondhand sermon. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the Word of God is here and is clear, and so I'm going to pray for myself and for us, and then we're going to dive in. Uh, Lord Jesus, we do thank you that we can be uh, absolutely certain that as we give our attention to your words, uh, you are always faithful uh, to speak to us and uh, to, to enlighten our minds and our hearts, and so I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, help me uh, to be faithful. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for Tim for his faithfulness in preparing this, Lord, and just pray for his physical recovery, Lord, and whatever's going on in his body. And um, Lord, I just pray this be a fruitful time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So uh, this text is a, about the kingdom of God. And so uh, I want to actually begin just by reading it, and uh, then we'll see some of the uh, the nuances of what Jesus brings to this. It's, it's some parables that he's speaking. It's actually tied into the text from last week. Uh, last week, if you remember, he healed uh, a woman, very dramatic event. And then in verse uh, 18, he kind of just uh, takes a moment to, to do some teaching, which he often does, right? So this isn't a huge sermon. This is kind of a moment of teaching. So uh, here's Luke 13, uh, verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it is all leavened. So, two short little parables. Uh, what Tim, uh, I see mentioned here, uh, I think is also true of me. He said, you know, there are times uh, when it, it's, you get nervous about what to say. You aren't, you aren't quite sure how to articulate what you're feeling. His example uh, was when he was uh, young and was trying to talk to a girl. And he said he found it very difficult. I can't really identify with that. No, I totally identify <laughs> with that. Uh, also very difficult. Another example he gave is when you go to... Uh, to like the, the, the plumbing wholesaler, like when you're working on your house, uh, I do renovations also, a lot of YouTube, trying to figure it out, and then trying to go. And he said he gets very anxious when he's trying to explain something to someone who's an expert, like some uh, plumb pipe thing that he isn't quite sure, and you just feel like you can't get the words out, you even, don't even know how to explain it. And he contrasted that with what, what we see from Jesus here, which I think is very uh, fitting. What, when Jesus explains the kingdom of God, uh, he does it with clarity and with confidence, which is amazing because the kingdom of God is one of those things that is quite uh, difficult to understand. Uh, it's something that we see uh, spoken about a lot. I mean, he comes and, and he's, I mean, his whole ministry is about the kingdom of God is here and he's trying to explain it to people, but it's very difficult for us as human beings to, to grasp it. Um, uh, what you'll notice actually from the disciples is that uh, the kingdom of God is something that they, they, never, they never quite fully grasp. So really the big idea for this morning, the, the one main point is we're going to be asking this question, what is, 
what is the kingdom of God? Uh, how should we understand the, the kingdom of God? And what we see through Jesus' ministry is that he, he talks like this a lot. Uh, I mean, he's come clearly to explain what the kingdom of God is to the people. I mean, he's the son of God explaining the kingdom of God. And not only that, uh, he's, ex he's giving examples of what it is like. I mean, the healings, the miracles, all of these things are helping people to understand, look, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, I want to read Luke 17. I don't think it'll be up on the screen. Uh, verse 20, 21, where Jesus says this, being asked by the Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So that's the thing that's difficult for people to grasp. Back then, especially, because for them, kingdoms were very tangible things. They were, they were walls of a city. They were armies. Uh, in our day, they would be states, countries, right? With borders, with passports, all this kind of thing. But what Jesus is trying to help people understand is the kingdom of God uh, is, is far greater than that, deeper, but also in some ways less tangible. And so he spent his ministry Help, helping doing things like this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Let me tell you a story. Let me show you a picture. Let, let me help you to understand what the, the kingdom of God is. So, so here's a one sentence sort of definition just for us to, to grasp. And it, it is seen in the kinds of teachings that Jesus is giving here. So the one sentence definition is this. The kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God in the lives of his people. The reign and the rule of God, meaning, meaning the influence of God, meaning the spirit of God is at work. So it's much easier for us to think of the spirit of God, uh, sorry, the kingdom of God in terms of like a country that we belong to or our powerful, um, you know, national identity that we can be connected to. Back then, uh, Jesus, as the Messiah, people were like, finally, the kingdom of God is going to happen. When are we making an army? When are, when are we going to get back to... You know, the, the time of the heydays of Jerusalem when, when Israel was a powerful nation. That seems like something that I can get excited about. Seems like something that will, you know, give me a security, give me promise. And yet what Jesus is saying, again and again, is that's, you should have a different idea when it comes to the kingdom. Now, the amazing thing is that even though through all of his ministry, Jesus is talking like this and explaining like this. When it, when it got to the very end, like after Jesus had gone to the cross, after he was resurrected, after he had come back from the dead and was meeting with people, talking with them, teaching with them some more, and he was heading up to heaven. And he's like, I'm, go I'm going up to heaven. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. As he was going, one of his disciples was like, um, Jesus, just one, just one more question. This is Acts 1.6. 1, 6. 1, 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Which is like, uh, are you going to, but when is the kingdom coming, Jesus? Just to sort of highlight the fact that the disciples, it was, this was difficult for them to grasp. The whole time he'd been teaching them, it's not that kind of kingdom. It's not that kind of kingdom. He's resurrected from the dead. And they're like, but when are we going to get like outfits? Is there a flag? Like how, when would that happen? Because that's what I'm most excited about. So it's a challenge. It was a challenge for them. It's a challenge for us today. But to have this in our mind that the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in our lives. It's not castles. It's not crowns. not borders. It's not an earthly place or an earthly nation. 
but it is a real reign of God that is happening, influence of God in our own hearts. And it is becoming manifest in the world. And so that's really, uh, if you look at this parable, what Jesus is helping us to understand. The dynamic of the kingdom, how, how this kingdom works, even, even if it's not something we can see clearly with our eyes, it's something that is clearly having an effect on our lives. So uh, Tim's got three things here that we see in this text uh, to help answer the question, what is the kingdom? The first thing is this. It is seemingly small and insignificant. It is seemingly small and insignificant. And, and this is pretty clear from the two examples that he gives. He says it's like a grain of mustard seed right, that a man sowed in the garden or uh, like, uh, like a bit of leaven. And these are both fairly small things. Um, I'm not a gardener, as I may have told you, Don is the gardener in our family, so we get little packets of seeds that are delivered from some homestead somewhere, organic, like, person who just loves them and sings songs to them and makes sure that they're the perfect little seeds, they come, and, uh, and then we uh, have, as I think I told you, a bit of a grow up in our basement. We have these UV lights, and we have this soil blocker. I say we, the, like the royal way. I don't do any of this. Don does all of this, and she puts them, and they, there are some very, very small seeds. It's always amazing. Just touches them down, and now they're beginning to flourish. Uh, the weather is not cooperating, of course. It's so cold, but we started to put some seeds. This is a side story, which is not helpful at all. But I just want to say that we had bears in our yard this, this week, and they ate the beginnings of the kale that was starting to grow, which is, as again, not helpful, but amazing that that would happen. So I think we understand the concept that there can be some very small seeds that flourish into great plants. The mustard seed is interesting because it is one of the smallest seeds, and yet it grows quite large. And for the people at the time, when Jesus is giving this example, the grain of mustard seed that a man took, everyone would know that that is a very small and insignificant thing. If you were just look at a, at a seed, if you didn't understand how seeds work, you would say, that's not going to do very much. I mean, it's, it, it looks just like a grain of sand. How, how is that going to grow and do anything? Same thing with leaven. Uh, leaven also is something that uh, you just add a little bit to a bit of flour. Here uh, it says three measures of flour, so quite a bit of flower, and yet that little bit can have a great impact. And so what Jesus is trying to show here right from the beginning in his examples is that um, size and significance can be uh, deceiving. That something can, that can begin quite small can actually grow and have great impact. And so he's, he's highlighting this because in the minds of the people, uh, size and obvious power, those are the things that are significant. And we're like this too, right? I mean, especially back then, if you think about just the whole, there was no sense really of security unless you had big, strong walls in your city, right? It was, it was kind of the Wild West in terms of just the way the people operated. So, so there were armies that were always invading other cities. Uh, the, the, the only way you could really feel secure is if you had a clear show of power, right? Someone who was physically strong, someone who had weapons, a, a, a huge army, Right? I mean, I mean, at the time, uh, Rome was the perfect example of this. They, 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 had, they were the first ones. Shock and awe, that was them. Right? Whenever there was a problem, Rome would send in like double the amount of soldiers that were necessary because they wanted the whole world to understand that if you messed with Rome, you, you were just wiped out. It was always an overt display of power. 
And that made the people of Rome feel safe. Understandably so, because they had, they had the strength. They had the legions of armies. They had all the infrastructure. They had the power. So imagine Jesus trying to teach about his kingdom. And he's saying, it's not that kind of kingdom. It's a better kingdom. People are like, okay, I, I don't... How is it going to bring me security? How is it going to bring me peace? How is it... All the things that I associate with the kingdom, I would... I would love to see that, that power. And so what he's helping them to understand is, is, is look, um, it's going to begin small. It's going to seem to be insignificant. That's the nature of God's kingdom. So don't be surprised if when it begins, it seems small. I mean, think about, think about Jesus at the time and what he was working with. He had like a few fishermen. He had like a tax collector. They didn't really have a home base. They had like a little bit of funding uh, from, um, from Nicodemus, right? And some other sort of supporters. But they were, like, if you were wanting to be encouraged and, and find peace in this new kingdom, right? Think of investors for a new company, right? You want to see, st- see some statistics. You want to see revenue. You want to see actually something. Before I invest in this thing, I want to see that it's at, not just an idea. I think that's what people would have thought at the time. This guy can talk really well. Some amazing things are happening, but like, if I'm going to buy into this, I want, I want to see the power. And Jesus is saying, look, don't, look, it's going to start small. But just because it's small doesn't mean that it's, that it's insignificant, right? In fact, in fact, as we come to really understand the kingdom of God, it becomes clear that there is huge wisdom and beauty and significance in, in that it begins small. Because anyone, anyone can have a kingdom if you have the, the power, right? If you have the army, if you have the castle, if you have all that, it's sure, you can make an impact in the world. But it's all through human strength and human wisdom. And that's going to be inherently limited to what people can do. But when it begins so small and so weak and it grows, then, then it, it speaks to the supernatural power of God. And, and that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. That's, that's what we see him trying to communicate to the people. This is a better kingdom because if God can take us a small thing, right? Like, like a mustard seed and make it into a huge plant, then what can he do with us even in our weakness? What can he do with this, this small band of disciples, these 12 guys with, with barely any clothes on their backs and yet when God grows it, it, it testifies to the power of God. That's, that's what Jesus is wanting us to be aware of, to, to sort of have our, our antennas up for. Because, because even today, I think we underestimate the small things in our lives. This is where, where Tim wanted us to go in terms of application. Where, where in our lives have we overlooked the seemingly small things? I mean, just think for a moment about what God did with this group of, of human beings, what Jesus did. Think of the world now, the, the billions of people that, that are believe in Jesus, that have peace, have security, have a sense of power, have a sense of belonging, have actually, have actually come to know God, have been reconciled with God through the, the power of the cross, but also through, through this small, tiny group of people 
that began in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, and yet now it's, it, it dominates the world. It, it connects with everyone, anywhere we go. I'm not sure you've had this experience. I remember one time being on vacation, I was reading some sort of Christian, but it wasn't the Bible, some other book, but this guy walked by and he noticed it, and he said, hey, are you, are you a Christian? And I was like, yes. I mean, I'm like, yes, of course I am. I was just, I was in vacation mode. I wasn't thinking about that. Anyway, but, but what a joy it was to say, oh yeah, I'm from, we are just from totally different parts of the world. There is a brotherhood and sisterhood worldwide that came about from this tiny little insignificant group of people. And, and so the message that we are to take from what Jesus is saying here is that this, all, this is always the way that God works which means that we should not overlook the small things in our lives. We should, we should expect for God to do massive things from the, the small beginnings in our lives. And so some of the things that, that Tim points to here, I think are really helpful. Uh, he points to the fact that sometimes we, we overlook um, or ignore the, the small amount of sin in our life that remains. We, we uh, the, the, um, the prompting to repentance that the Spirit of God lays upon us. But it's small sometimes at first, right? It's a smaller area of our life, something that we think is insignificant, not a big deal. And, and the leading of the Spirit is, it begins small. And we, in our stubbornness, can very easily ignore that and yet miss all of the, the good, the fruit that is going to come from it. Same thing when it comes to, to obedience, I'm not sure about you, but I find it easy to overlook or like ignore uh, sometimes the, the small areas of obedience in my life. Like I can think to myself, you know, in general, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing what God wants for me, right? In general, I'm not uh, overtly, you know, um, hurting people. I'm trying to show love. I'm trying to, so we sort of have this um, balancing scale and we have enough big rocks in the jar of faithfulness. And so the little things we think uh, that's, you know, not, not that big a deal. I can overlook that. And yet if we take this to be true, God, all the little things are also things that God can use to bear fruit in us. And I think I found that in my life, right? That I, when, I, when I look at the small things, uh, there can be real traction. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard the story. I hope this is helpful. I haven't thought it through well enough, but... Um, but I remember when Rudy Giuliani took over as mayor of New York, and, I, and at the time, New York was just a mess, um, just like rife with crime, like dangerous. And so one of the things that uh, he did uh, was like, you know, thinking reforms. What are we going to do to clean up the city? Uh, one of the things they did was they, they really went after graffiti in the city, which at the time, a lot of people were like, that seems like of all the things we have to deal with, that seems like not that big a deal. Uh, but his sort of philosophy was, uh, and, and I heard a story of the guy who was in charge of the subway system. The subway is just uh, a mess. People are scared to go on the subway. But they, they made a priority to, uh, if ever a subway car got tagged with graffiti, they would take it off the line and clean it. Any repairs, they would do it right away. And that what happened, it was, it was one of the key ways people look back to it and say, that was one of the real things that people began to have confidence again in the city, that, that, it was, that they were giving attention to even the small details. It sort of shifted people's perception of New York. Of course, they arrested people too and things like that. But 
It was interesting that uh, as people tell the story of that revitalization, it was attention to the small things in the life of the city that really began people to have confidence. And I think the same is true for us, that the kingdom of God reigns in our lives and we attend to even the small areas of obedience, um, uh, the, the promptings of faithfulness, and that as we are faithful with those small things, God does tend to, to grow them in, in powerful ways. So, question for us this morning. What are the small things that you may have been overlooking? Uh, the small, quiet voice of God, where is, is he um, impressing upon you some areas of your life which has sort of been easy to overlook, uh, and yet God wants to work in those things? I think that's, that's a clear application from this text. Now, the second thing, though, about the kingdom that we see here is that it's not just seemingly uh, insignificant, it's also inherently powerful. Uh, so these, these two examples, the seed, right? This mustard plant, apparently, is one of the biggest uh, plants of this, what are these, what is mustard seed, an herb, right? I don't even know what it is. It's in a yellow bottle, it tastes great uh, on hot dogs. But also, uh, it, it grows, and in comparison to the other herbs, it's, it's quite a large bush, or he even calls it a tree. And so the people he was speaking to, they would understand that this small thing, it, there's something about that seed that within it, it was gonna grow to a significant size. Leaven also, the fermenting power of leaven is quite strong. Um, um, we, and again, the royal we, uh, have a lot of sourdough in our house uh, because Don knows how to make sourdough. And uh, we were away for a couple days and told uh, our children, look, take this um, sourdough starter. You have to put it in the fridge to keep it, I don't know, alive. So we came back, and I won't say who, uh, but James forgot to put it in the fridge. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we were, we were very uh, concerned because we need sourdough every day. And uh, amazingly, I don't know what she did, but she added some more of the stuff, and the bubbles began, the fermenting power, it would not die. She's like, it's alive. We were so excited. So this is the power of, of leaven, that it, even in this large amount of, um, of flour, that it has the power to bring fermenting. I, I don't know what it does, but it bubbles. I, I can see it. And it, it ends up being uh, delicious. It transforms the bread, is, is the whole point here. And that's what we're seeing uh, with this text. That the kingdom of God, though it begins small, it actually is, is transformative. And it's no wonder that Jesus uh, tacked this teaching onto uh, what just happened, because if you remember from last week, there was a woman who was, who was um, bent over for 18 years, like afflicted uh, spiritually and physically, and yet Jesus prayed for her. He, he brought healing. That kind of power is what Jesus is saying is, is true of the kingdom of God. And so in light of that, everyone's like, wow, what is about this? He then teaches, no, this is the kingdom. It begins small, and yet it, it has the power to transform lives. In fact, uh, this is always uh, the result when God's kingdom is truly at work, when Jesus himself is ruling and reigning. And the question uh, that I see here in the, in the manuscript is a good one. What other kind of kingdom is like this? I mean, what other kind of kingdom could bring about the transformation that the kingdom of God brings in the lives of humanity? And an example here that, we're pointed back to is the story of Naaman. Remember Naaman back in the Old Testament? Uh, he's a, what is he? He's a, a Syrian general, powerful man. In fact, the Assyrians at the time had just defeated Israel. So like they were in terms of 
In terms of obvious strength and power, they were the ones that you would have gone to if you needed help with anything, but he has leprosy and there's no cure and he's sort of resigning himself to the fact that he's always going to be sick with leprosy, but one of his servants tells him about um, about the, the God of Israel and says, you should go and ask for help from the God of Israel. So he gets his caravan together, goes to Israel, and if you remember the story, he goes to the obvious place, which is the, the palace of the king. He goes there and says, I've heard of your God, I've heard that I need to be healed, and the king's response is kind of like, I can't, I can't heal you. Like, why'd you, why'd you come to me? I'm sort of, I'm just the king in just the palace. You need real power. And he sends him to the prophet of God. And, and eventually he is, he is healed when he actually listens to the prophet of God. In Naaman, there's a real uh, uh, disbelief, right? He goes there and he's like, what am I, I why am I going to this, this little hut? And that often is our uh, kind of reaction, right? When we think about what God is calling us to, and what God might be doing, if, if we're not fully convinced of the nature of the kingdom, uh, then we will doubt what it is that God might be able to accomplish in our lives. And so sort of the, the question that for, for us is, are there areas of your life where, where you're feeling overwhelmed and don't think that God can actually bring about the transformation necessary? What we're seeing here is that uh, we can have great confidence in the power of the kingdom because it's rooted in the gospel itself. What greater power is there that Jesus, who, who's dead in the grave, would, would rise again? What greater power is there for, for the spirit of God sent to us as Jesus goes back up to heaven and says, I'm sending you the helper, the God living within us that will convict us of sin, lead us in truth, bring about the transformation that we all need? I think there are lots of times that even when we know these things, we, we get uh, very overwhelmed. There's times where I get very overwhelmed when I think about the things that I would like to see happen in my life. Even the things, like even sometimes, you know, there's things, we, we can want superficial things to happen in our lives and come to the realization that like that, you know, I was kind of hoping in the wrong thing or it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's kind of superficial. But there are other times when we really, we really are wanting like people to know Jesus or, or people to be healed or for us to like, to have victory over areas of sin and, and greater faithfulness. And these are good goals that we see clearly in scripture and and we get overwhelmed very often when they aren't happening when we want them to happen or we feel so weak that like it's, we just think that there's not um, enough in us that God can actually use to bring these things to happen. So I think this is so helpful for us to see that the nature of the kingdom is such that it's always small, little weak things that God, by his power, helps to grow and flourish in amazing ways. So for those of us that are feeling really overwhelmed right now, like if there are areas of sin or life choices or brokenness that we just think, There's, how is this ever going to actually grow? Think of, that, think of the mustard seed. Think of the little bit of leaven. And think of Jesus saying, like, this, this is the kingdom of God, that there's inherent power 
because it's his kingdom in us. We don't need to see all the, the obvious strength. We need to simply believe that, that God is at work, that God is present, and he will, through his power, actually bring transformation. And the third thing that we, uh, that's highlighted here for us uh, about the kingdom, the third aspect of it, is that it will grow and spread. And um, I think this is uh, pretty clear within these, these metaphors, right? Like the, the mature plant, uh, it produces seed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go and make another plant. And from what I understand about bread, which is not a lot, but... Uh, you need to always take a little bit of the starter from before, and then it, it creates the new batch, right? That's, that's how it works. I hear stories of people like flying from Italy with their grandmother's rest, you know, sourdough on the plane, and they bring it, and it's, it, it, it's the beginning of something that will start again. It's, it's meant to spread and to grow, and that's, that's how the kingdom of God works as well. And uh, uh, the thing that I think is really helpful uh, is for us to understand, I'm just reading here, yeah, is that the thing that is growing in us isn't just for us. If we are a mature Christian, if we are a mature plant in a sense, then we should naturally have the, the seeds of faith, the seeds of the kingdom um, spread out to others. That that's, that's inherent to what it means for us to be uh, under the rule and reign of Jesus. Um, the verse that Tim points to is 2 Corinthians 5.20, where it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. So, so the work of the kingdom, this actually growth of the kingdom, the amazing thing is that we're not removed from it. We're not um, some part of the kingdom that then other people go out and we hear about it, but we sort of just stay um, rooted in one place that the nature of the kingdom is such that we, we, all of us, are those that are living our lives in such a way that people are seeing the transformation in us, and then we have, hopefully, the joy of, of spreading that seed to others. So here's the question uh, for us. Are, are you seeing the kingdom of God more realized in your life, and then... Uh, is it bringing about a fruit that can be reproduced in others? So the thing about being a disciple of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, is that mature disciples of Jesus make other disciples. Because Jesus said to us, go and make disciples. And so if you are like a new believer, that doesn't mean, oh, it, it worked. You're a disciple, you believe, and now it, it's accomplished uh, now that same call is upon you and upon all of us uh, who, who know and love Jesus. So maybe a good question that we should be asking in light of just this nature of the way that plants reproduce and I guess leaven uh, reproduces is um, like what kind, of, what kind of tree are we? Are we a tree that's, that's mature, that's sending out uh, seeds so that other, other people may, may be welcomed into the kingdom? Are we, uh, I don't even know the terminology, germinating, are we, are we spreading? You know, they have all those seeds. Uh, here's another story which might be helpful. Uh, I remember seeing a uh, documentary, right, of, of the amazing thing about, uh, about forest fires. 
and about pine cones, right? How these big rivers, they drop these pine cones, but it's, it's actually often through the heat of a forest fire that these pine cones burst open and the seeds come forth. Uh, a metaphor, I think, for how sometimes the adversity in our lives pushes us, hopefully brings out in us a faith that maybe we, we didn't really know was there, but hopefully in the process gives us opportunity to share with others. I'm not sure about you, but some of the most fruitful conversations I've had with others is not just my story of faith, but my story of, of struggling in my faith and how God has proven faithful and how he's led me through the, the difficult, fiery times and how I have so much more assurance and comfort because usually the people in our lives that are, are struggling, uh, that, that's a connecting point where they can hopefully see the need for Jesus. It's harder. It's just harder when people, their lives are going great and, um, you know, they have everything they need. That's, that's hard soil. Uh, but very often there are people in our lives who are hurting and what a great opportunity it is for us to remember, you know what? Uh, I'm part of the kingdom. That, that, that kingdom is supposed to spread and grow. And as God has taken me through difficult times, uh, his own seed of faith has grown in me and and through conversations with others, we can help people to know the truth, that God loves them, he's for them, that even the beginnings of the seed of faith can flourish in amazing ways. So, so the thing we are left with in light of this text is a call, hopefully, to wrap our minds in an even greater way around the kingdom. As I, as I read the, the text this week, even as Tim and I were talking about it, you're just struck again and again about this dynamic of power, this dynamic of growth. And my hope is that for those of us uh, who've been walking with Jesus for all, we can look back and see that. Like it just tracks right away. Of course, yeah, that began as a small thing, but look at what God has done. Of course, yes, he's, he's committed to me. I'm growing and flourishing in ways that really have nothing to do with me. And of course, I want to share that with other people so that they can... They can know God. They can be part of a kingdom that endures and actually ushers in the peace and hope that we really need. So, I'm going to pray for us this morning. I hope that God has spoken to you, and um, then we're going to worship together. Uh, Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the fact that you came to help us to know your kingdom. Help us to know you as, your, as our king. And Lord, the challenge for us is that uh, it's just a different kind of kingdom than we're used to. Um, Jesus, it's, it's so much easier for us to, to find confidence in, in the things of this world, the powers of this world, uh, the things that we can see, uh, the displays of, of strength. But Lord, that's, that's not your kingdom because your kingdom is better than that. And so I pray, Lord, for us I pray in particular for those of us that are really just struggling with a sense of being overwhelmed uh, by the, the struggles in our lives, perhaps the, our own weakness in certain areas and just feeling like nothing is, is really going in the right direction or the things that we want to see happen or grow, it's not, it's not happening. Lord, I, I pray you'd encourage us, please, through this, through this word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us to remember that uh, your kingdom always begins small. And it's, it's easy for us to overlook. It's easy for us to doubt. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's inherent power in anything that you begin. 
and you make very clear that what you begin in us, you will, you will bring to completion. And so I just pray for your encouragement upon us today. I pray that we would look for opportunities uh, to tell others and that as, as you transform us and as people see that transformation in us, we will be um, compelled, we will, we will be excited uh, about planting seeds in others, about helping them to know you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord and, and King. So I pray that for us, uh, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.